hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Uh, 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 competition starting to get thick is the click, so I hope you watch your A game, A man, no rains on the track when we unite and spit. This isn't A game, better bring your A game. Competition starting to get thick is the click, so I hope you watch your A game, A man, no rains on the track when we unite. Hey, now it's the Mike and JD show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I'm okay, I guess. It's been a long week. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel you there, man. I feel you there. Lots going on. I'm taking a new position at work, and I start that here in a couple of weeks. So that uh, more more responsibility, but uh, because I'm in the military, not more pay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, but hopefully it will lead to more pay down the road. Hell of a deal you got there, man. Hell of a deal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a more prestigious position than what I'm in now. And so the idea is, is that if I do this for a little while, then a promotion would be dangled on the end of it. And then so mm. as I enter my 20th year in the military, I think I'd like to get paid a little bit more money the rest of my life with my pension. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. So that's kind of, that's where I would like to be at. It's the reason I'm in grad school right now, because if I'm going to teach, and again, I'm still fairly new with it. I want to, uh, want to make more money. You, you know, people realize, or have a difficult time realizing just what you really need to do to make good money in this world. Right? It's hard. Like, yeah, it's, it, and you really have to have like a diverse portfolio. So I, I've been, a, you know, pretty, I've been in the military for 20 years now. And for the most part, I've been kind of a safety and health guy, kind of like an OSHA guy, but I work out of a hospital uh, more on the health side. And the last couple of years or so, I've been moving towards a human, human resources, human relations type of role and a leadership role. And so I got my bachelor's degree in safety and health and, but I'm getting my master's in human resources. Cause that's kind of what I'm doing now. So I'm just trying to be as diverse as possible and take different types of jobs. That way, whenever I do retire, I'm kind of marketable in the civilian world. So I spent 10, 20, I got out of college about 20 years ago. I spent the vast majority of it working in film and television and corporate video, some aspects of it. And then I did the coach. I've done the coaching thing for 20 years. And like, I'm all over the place. And I fell ass backwards into being a teacher. So life is weird, man. I can't even think about retirement. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to retire in a couple of years, hopefully. And then if I do, I just got to get another job because, so, because, you know, federal pensions don't really, they're not going to pay for everything, but. No, and it's still knows? good to have. Like it's still more sure. money in my bank account the rest of my life, right? Hey, I've I've got one now. I've got a pension. There's nothing really in it because I'll be doing this for a year. But like, yeah, it's nice to have. Like, because again, when you work freelance, there's no retirement plan, right? Yeah. Just work till you die. So I, I get it. 
pretty well i mean that's what pro wrestlers do right because there's no retirement plan in in uh in pro wrestling you just have to save money and that's a difficult thing to do speaking of which rick flair was on dynamite this week speaking of needing money yeah rick flair was uh <laughs> was was back on dynamite there's a lot of uh, a lot of that and i do i do want to get into that but JD, because we have uh, we had an Impact podcast, so the Mike and JD show was called Brace for Impact at one point. Um, that's how we got our yeah for two years actually. That's how we got our start. We did a hundred episodes talking nothing but Impact. Um, we um, I think we should talk about the return of uh, TNA. Now I did a full podcast about this. And, um, and I'm going to let you have your say, and then I'm going to play a clip from the podcast that I did over the weekend, because we actually submitted it to, uh, to impact to, to be played on impact television. Uh, I don't think they chose my clip. So, because I was, <laughs> I was not very nice, but I, I, you know, I've slightly changed a little bit, but I want to get your take, man. What do you think? Well, I think the new Aquaman movie looks fun, Joe. I think it's oh. going to be all right. It can't be much better. That it can't be much worse than the original Aquaman movie. It's the end of the DCAU officially. Uh, the rumor is Momoa is going to play Lobo. So that's my thoughts on that. Okay, um, we did have an Impact podcast for a little while. For God, almost two years, right? We did the Impact pod. Um, a lot of ups and downs with that show. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know, man. What do you think? I mean, like, I don't have a lot of opinions on this whole thing. Well, do you think that it could um, it could be a positive or is it a negative for them? I don't think it's okay. So, like, I laughed when the when the when the thing came back. We're TNA again. I was like, really? That's that's a terrible branding. But <laughs> what? Because it's terrible. I think it's I think it's if you're a certain age, right? You and yeah. I are of the age where it's tits and ass wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. And it's played out like that for a long time and like i i didn't like telling people oh, i'm gonna go home and watch tna like it made just sound like you're gonna go home and watch porn but to a younger generation like the people who are just on like about 10 years younger than us they love the brand they love tna it's good memories and i've seen i'm surprised by the overwhelming um positive impact pardon the pun that this yeah. announcement has had and like I'm of the mind that if it excites the fan base, sure, go with it. Especially, I didn't realize that um, internationally they were still marketed as TNA everywhere else. Yeah. So that yeah. makes perfect sense to just realign yourself. So, like, you know, it does zero for me, right? But not negative or positive. It just does. It does. I'm very agnostic on the subject. Like, I yeah. I called it TNA so many times on our podcast. It's not even funny. So it's going to, it's going to make it easier, honestly, for, for, for a lot of us that struggled for years to, uh, to stop calling it TNA. Um, yeah. So here, let me, um, let me play this clip from uh, brace for impact. So I actually watched bound for glory live. And then right here on the Mike and JD show, YouTube channel. Um, I, I watched the end of bound for glory live. So here was my plan. I planned to get a jump on all the other podcasters out there. And I wanted to um, I wanted to start my show before them. So while it's still going, I actually like went live and I knew there was going to be a big announcement. Now, I assumed the big announcement was going to be like maybe Okada was coming to Vegas. Right. That's what I, I thought, because Okada talked about openly coming into impact and doing a match. So I thought maybe they're bringing in Okada. Right. And I don't think that's out of the that's a crazy assumption that okada was coming in so that's what i thought they were gonna they were gonna announce hard to kill and that okada was coming in um so i wanted to just do the live reaction now there and 
what what ended up happening was kind of priceless and i want to um so for those of you that didn't get a chance to watch i'm going to go ahead and play the clip now this is from brace for impact on saturday So it's airing from my iPad right there. Guys, this could have been an email. <laughs> We're going to get a YouTube strike now. No, uh, What the hell? Hold on. It refreshed my bad. Ah, this is this bad radio. Guys, this could have been an email. Yes, it could have. Oh, no. They're going back to fucking TNA. <laughs> of all the things that they could have done. Oh uh, yeah. So that so that was that was my initial reaction because like I had at, at in the dying days of TNA, I had really such a negative reaction to the product and everything. I didn't want to watch it anymore. I always kind of thought TNA was a bit of a dumb name because of the tits and ass connotation. Or as mm-hmm. Double J Jeff Jarrett will say on his podcast, the double entendre. Like that, that's, you know, that, and it was, they did that for a reason to get people to think that they're going to have tits and ass on the show. And of course they did a lot of they times. They did have tits so, and ass on the show. Yeah. Like the original shows had cage dancers and all cage this other dancers. stuff. So mm-hmm. what, what I have learned and, um, and I want to give a big shout out to Andre Patreon subscriber. Um, he and I DM a lot of times talking about impact and he, um, he told me that, at TNA's peak, he was 11 years old, and that was like the oh. first wrestling that he watched, right? Fair. So mm-hmm. he 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 didn't even know about the double entendre, right? He he didn't know that, that, that other people thought that that's what that meant. Um, and I think that the TNA, what it originally meant, like in the 90s, whenever it was like too hot for TV, Jerry Springer, Howard Stern, all that stuff, like nobody actually uses that acronym anymore to to say that. Like nobody talks like that anymore. That's like true. Like that 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 phrase has really died out, and it died out with our generation. Mm-hmm. We kind of aged it out, and so now when people think of that term, they're more likely to think TNA wrestling than than what it was originally intended for, right? So now while it was originally that, it no longer means that, and words can change and and meanings can change over mm-hmm. time. And so there's people that are about 10 years younger than me that grew up with, with uh, TNA wrestling. It was their favorite wrestling. Um, and speaking of which will Osprey is one of those guys. Um, and he, he did bound for glory over the weekend. He said, he's going to come and do a match with TNA. So I think they're working on that right now. He was a big fan, AJ styles, the X division, like that kind of got him into pro wrestling and he's 30 years old. I'm like, you know what? It actually makes sense. There's a, there's a whole, there's a whole generation out there that they really liked that product and they were sad to see the letters go away. And whenever TNA left spike TV, they went to watch other things or they watched WWE. They never really stuck with impact. And so now that those letters are back, it might actually bring them back into it. Now it's still difficult with the platform that they have, right? It's, it's, it's going to be difficult to get people to watch access because it's a classic rock station that is like behind VH one three right or whatever it is on your satellite um you know it is all over youtube it's pretty accessible there but as far as cable goes it's still on a, on a low rated station so um what will it be a, an overall net positive i you know i don't know like how, how much does it cost to rebrand that, that that i don't know but the name still has some value internationally and as we've been finding out since the announcement's been made and it's been overwhelmingly positive i would say mm-hmm. as far as podcasters go i was probably the most negative like Meltzer talked about it and he was like, Oh, you know, I think it's a good idea. I think, uh, I think people are nostalgic for it now. 
Um, and, and that, that is true. I, I think we've seen, you know, and a guy that I really want to give credit to is a colleague of ours here on voices of wrestling. And that's Garrett kidney. Um, he runs their YouTube and he runs impacts YouTube and he runs impacts Twitter. And he does a really good job of getting all those classic clips out there and reminding people that impact or TNA did have a lot of cool stuff on their show. Right. It was always surrounded by chaos. But when you get five years removed from all the chaos and then you look you're like, you know what? Main event mafia was fun. Like that was kind of a cool that was kind of a cool deal. A lot of times Scott Steiner was hilarious during that Booker T was hilarious. Right. Or like the X Division had a lot of great matches and they had luchadors and Japanese wrestlers and all this and that. So um, while they still had a lot of bad and I think a lot of us uh, remember the bad, you know, I think uh, a lot more lately because of the social media and because of YouTube people are romanticizing the good a lot more. And uh, I want to give credit to Garrett Kidney for that. He's done a great job. Yeah. Garrett Kidney has really kind of kept that torch burning for TNA. Um, like I said, I think that's more of a seventies term, like the whole tits and ass thing referred to as TNA. Um, yeah. I do think that, I think you're right. I think that phrase, cause we don't talk like, I don't say we isn't like, you know, um, but society, like those things just really aren't really kind of said anymore. So yeah. it actually does kind of make sense. Dave, was relatively positive, but I think he said it's a net zero on it. Like he didn't think it would yeah. grow the product. And I don't think it will either, but I'm really tired of all the arguments in wrestling being about everything has to grow. Like yeah. nothing, like as a wrestling fan, you're so de degraded by all the voices in the space. And I hate using the term this space. because makes me feel like some kind of a nerd on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I hate that phrase. And I just used it. Like you're taught. If you like this, you are treated like a pariah and a piece of shit by people mm -hmm. who who fundamentally covered this stuff well how does it grow how do we get more people who think that you're stupid into your product you know like <laughs> I, I i hate that i hate that discourse so yeah. there's nothing wrong with with exciting your fan base right and i will say i was blown away by how overwhelmingly positive the reception is it surprised me mm -hmm. it really did i thought people were yeah. gonna shit on this and i was totally wrong yeah, it turns out I was the only one that shit on it, and I have been educated since then. I've had a lot of good conversations with people that are uh, um, big, big fans of it. And you know, you know, growth. I don't really think that that's as important. I think the the people that really like to write about the business side of pro wrestling and have a hard time just enjoying the product that they're watching, right? Like, okay, well, did it draw? And it's like, well, I, I mean, how does that affect your love of what the match was, right? Like Osprey and Speedball, and Joe, Joe in the chat um, said was a a, a top three uh, match of the year for him, and I, and I agree. For me, it was too. You want to hear something um, anecdotally kind of cool? I got a buddy. Yeah. I got a buddy who's super casual, super casual, and he'll like like I took him to the Punk comeback show because like we used to watch wrestling all the time as friend like as kids, but I was always more of a hardcore fan. And he would always kind of pop in and pop out. So my college roommate, we had two TVs in our dorm room so we could watch Raw and Nitro at the same time. So he's super casual. Out of the blue this week, he texts me, man, Speedball Mike Bailey is awesome. And I'm like, <laughs> are you watching Impact? And he's like, yeah, I just watched the, the Will Ospreay match. It was incredible. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're a scumbag. I know for a damn fact you didn't pay for that, my friend. Two, that's pretty cool <laughs> that, that that match is actually – doing a lot to really hook people that don't watch that product. So, I mean, like impact is really the future TNA, the once in future TNA is really having a pretty good year as far as like 
just outreach and getting people interested in what they're doing. It's funny because this is the earlier this year, I couldn't stand the show and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it seems like yeah. maybe the week after I left, the show started to turn around. <laughs> Well, they, they sent Jimmy Jacobs packing up to AEW and uh, he's Boy, did they ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now, now the coven's in AEW with Julia Hart and uh, her, uh, her band of witches uh, that they got going on there and oh, uh, all, the, so all the extra sketch comedy that they're doing and sci-fi it's all, it's all on AEW now. Yeah, so, it is. um, so CM Punk, I, I don't want to spend too much time on CM Punk, but there were, I, so there were some rumors that that he would that he would come there. Ibu of Russell Purist said that last week, and we talked about it last week, that um, that there was an offer on the table, um, and he did get some insight from Punk. Well, he, he says I think he said Punk's camp, but we know who's telling him, right? Okay, let's 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 all be real here. So anyway, he got some insight from Punk, and during during that, he was on his podcast. Ibu was of Russell Purist. Um, basically said that he was actually like, he went there, he spent some time there. He couldn't be too much time away because his dog had had surgery. Um, and he talked to a lot of people, talked to some of the top stars, yada, yada, yada. And that, uh, he was very flattered by the offer and he's not saying no, he's, he said he's not snubbing his nose at it or anything like that. Um, I think the people that are snubbing their nose at it are the people that are online. Um, and I think we're a part of that. And I, a lot of our friends are snubbing our nose at it. But I, I got a message for Scott Demore. They're laughing at you for even offering CM Punk that deal. How does that make you feel? To piss right? you off. How, how does that make you feel? They're laughing at you for saying that you want Will Ospreay in your company. How is that supposed to make you feel? You want to make a big splash for TNA. You need to grab your balls and be like, why not me? Why not TNA? Why can't we have the big stars, right? Go to Len Asper and get the fucking money, right? You got to do it. If you want to make a big splash with TNA, you want to rebrand, you want to set the world on fire, you want to do more than just talk, you want to put actions behind your words, you got to go get Punk. Will Ospreay is out of reach, I would say. But Punk doesn't have a whole lot of options. He's he Punk seems content on sitting at home, but the fact that he's still coming to the show makes it seem like he he's still interested in wrestling again. You, you got to go and get him and you got to get him for that first show and start your, and start your show off right with CM Punk. I know it's not a, a probability, but it is a possibility and make the impossible happen and go get your guy, go fucking do it. That, that, that's what Scott Demore needs to do. couple things. One, um, just today, I don't know if you saw, but uh, in Chicago Sports Radio, they interviewed Punk, Boar, uh, Terry, um, Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, the score in Chicago. Punk did a quick little interview, and they said someone go, someone from their chat asked, "Hey, you're going to be in Chicago for Survivor Series?" And he's like, mm, "Long pause. Mm, well, I can't get a ticket. It's all sold out." So he's still yeah. flirting with that notion. Here's the problem: is it's the guy you're after. We saw how this goes. Right. Yeah. And you could sit there and sit there and tell me, well, that's all because of Tony Khan and blah, blah, blah. And AEW was like, people used to make fun of it being the happiest place on earth. Then Punk <laughs> went there and the fucking place burned to the ground in a year. Right. And yeah. all of a sudden we have a, we have a, uh, a spot, if you will, that we frequent where rumors will kind of come to a head. Boy, it's sure been quiet on the AEW locker room side since Punk left. <laughs> that, that's for damn sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. 
right? All yeah. of a sudden, there's not a lot of, there might be, and I'm sure there's still people there who aren't happy. I guarantee you, there's people who aren't happy at work. I got to go to work tomorrow and listen to people who bitch about having to work nine months a year. So, I mean, like, there's always some people bitching about something, <laughs> but it's the guy yeah. everywhere. And it's not just like this just happened in AEW. It also happened in WWE. It also happened on his first run in TNA. It also happened in Ring of Honor. I mean, like, just wherever he goes, like, and it's just the idea that he's not really, he's like, oh, well, I'm flattered by the offer. That's what you say when you're, it's like, oh, that's, that's like when a, when, when you got asked out in high school by uh, someone who you considered below your standards. Well, I'm flattered that you think so much of me, but my heart well, is going in another direction. And this, he wants nice back to assume that I had standards in high school, by the way. Thank you for that. Maybe it was just me. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's good. That's a good pickup. I just, I think you're, I think Will Ospreay go all in on the Will Ospreay thing, all in on Will Ospreay, make a stupid offer that, you know, you can't afford and then worry about it when he goes, I'll go with you guys. Right. Yeah. That's what I think you should absolutely do. Yeah. That's what, that's what I think too. Um, and I'm going to have more on this on uh, brace for impact this weekend because surprise, surprise, there was no episode of impact tonight. (laughs) They, they did a bound for glory highlight show. Well, it's kind of a lame duck show right now for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. they've already have their matches set for, for hard to kill. Um, their top two matches, they have their main event, and their co-main event set. So, um, it's kind of a, it's just going to be like a series of shows with some matches and stuff like that. So a uh, brace for impact is going to be tough to do the rest of the year, but hopefully a bunch of news comes out. And so, so there, there, there was some news. I have an, I, I have a couple more ideas for them, but my initial idea is, you know, do what Dixie Carter did, but be better at it, right? Dixie Carter would go get the talent, right? But she would fuck it up. So don't do that. Be a, be a more competent Dixie Carter in that sense, where you go and get your your big name talent. Um, and there's a couple of out there's a couple out there. And I know early next year there's gonna be some WWE free agents. We all know that AEW contracts are not forever. They're gonna come on the market. So you you build you build from within, right? You build from the draft, and then you supplement with their free agency. Get a couple of big stars. Get CM Punk. Get Will Ospreay, and, and then I think you really you really got something um, to start with. And then, but CM Punk, you're right. You know, he is a cancer in the locker room, but that's why you don't keep him around that long. You put him on a Brock Lesnar deal. You have him come in for the big shows, right? Maybe you pay him like, hey, we want you in for four pay-per-views and a handful of episodes. And, you know, you, you do you do it that way. You, you know, you, you get him on a Brock Lesnar deal. You don't want him on the show every single week. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a great deal for for TNA if for Punk to do that. I really don't like I just I don't feel like you get enough return on a major investment with him. If you're not showcasing him, and I guess AEW tried like his first couple, this yeah. first year, that first year with him in the company was really awesome. good, and yeah. it was like it was an excellent year of pro wrestling. Like after that, they kind of it started to sour. But I mean, like I think you need to maximize the amount of money it's going to cost you to get like if you feel if you hypothetically land CM Punk, and I don't think yeah. he will. I don't think he thinks. I think he thinks TNA is beneath him as he's always thought. Yeah, because remember when he yeah. left the first time, he was like, "I'm not going to TNA." Like it was WWF or bust. WWE, excuse me, or bust. Like it's just, I don't think that's the guy. Go on on Will Osprey. Will Osprey is serious about free agency. Man just signed Barry Bloom as his agent. So <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, that we'll, tells. We'll get, let's yeah, let's go, let's we'll trust. We'll trust. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll do. Will Osprey is what I have next on my list. So perfect. Let's um, segue. In. Yeah, yeah. Let's segue into Will Osprey. So, um, you know, we ha- we were having a conversation throughout the week. Will Osprey appears to be doing 
bucket list things right now, which him being at Bound for Glory appears to be a bucket list item for him. And then him saying that he wants to come and do a match for TNA and being very complimentary of TNA is, you know, he did TNA when he was super young, but now that he's a big star, I think he wants to be in a top, top TNA match with that branding. So that's why I think we're going to get T him in TNA for at least one match, probably for hard to kill before he becomes a free agent in February. It looks like that deal is getting worked. Um, but he's also doing all these other things. Like he went to Noah and he wrestled Marafuji, right? He did the Zack Sabre match in, in England. Um, he, it looks like he's doing bucket list items, things that he will not, he would not likely be able to do in WWE. And he has now stated that he is open to traveling and he had signed Barry Bloom as his agent and Barry Bloom, while he does represent a lot of people in AEW, he represents people in WWE and they've been dealing with him since Jesse Ventura. So mm -hmm. he was the agent for Jesse Ventura and Jim Ross and all those guys. So um, he's taken his career seriously. And I really, I really dig that about him. I like that. It appears that he's growing up. Um, but you know, while I always thought that AEW was the absolute destination, it looks like WWE is on the table. It'd be foolish not to be on the table. I remember yeah. being in the, uh, the fight game media discourse, but, uh, discourse right yeah the dis the discord excuse me channel do yeah. participating in the discourse and people are like oh well you got to close the show with will osprey on top and i said what if he's in wwe in a year and i got laughed at well you you do it anyway and i'm like you guys are like this just doesn't make sense <laughs> like so i stand by what i said six months ago like it it then again, you did put him on the show because it's foolish not to, and you want him to sign. But I agree, you don't yeah. give him the big moment, right? And he'll have, he's going out there and he's doing bucket list stuff because I don't think he's all in. I don't think he's putting his eggs in the WWE basket. I think he's putting yeah. his eggs in the I'm going to maximize my value and get everyone talking about me before I sign yeah. somewhere. Like the man's going to make a shit ton of money. And Barry Bloom um, is not Endeavor. Which is interesting. I think that if he was set on Endeavor, like Jade, that's what Jade Cargill did. She signed with Endeavor. And then if you're an Endeavor, you're, you know, that's it, done deal. You're going to WWE. So I think that right. he is going to play the market a little bit, which he should play the game. Mm -hmm. Don't just put all your eggs and I'm going to go to WWE because who knows what he wants? Like people say, well, he says this, he says that. I'm like, well, one pro wrestlers Two, your values and ideas about what you want to do can change. They can change from day to day. Right. We've said that yeah. a million times on this show that, oh, it looks like so-and-so is, is is WWE bound and they, they don't go there. They wind up doing something else. And sometimes they do. So I think this is a dude who's just big time invested in what his future is going to be. This is his big money contract and he should get everything that is coming to him. And I think he's going to like, this is a guy that is going to get paid and it's going to come down to <clears throat> what do you want to do? He is a true sports free agent. In mm -hmm. the sense that there's many people in the game right now that are willing to pay for him. And so that's just going to, he's going to have to go to the highest bidder. Um, people say money isn't everything. You've never had a lot of money. <laughs> so, and I think that he's going to get offered stupid money to where he'll have fuck you money by the end of his contract. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. And I, I dig the fact that WWE is willing to bring this guy in for sure. and hopefully, and hopefully they don't try to, you know, make him fit into their playbook, which is kind of stuff that they've done to to guys in the past. I and I don't think they will for him. I think that they're going to sign him to be him. I think he's a big enough star. I think he's been a proven draw everywhere he goes, um, and I think that they would only maximize his value uh, to the best of their abilities to be able to go if he were able to go there. 
I don't know. I don't know if they're not good. I mean, they tend to put everybody in their playbook. They make everybody run their playbook, right? I, I like, think AJ had may, a maybe form. AJ conformed a little bit, but he's still AJ Styles. He's still doing all the AJ Styles moves. I, I think maybe they probably helped change his promos a little bit, but he was never really a promo guy. No, and no. His, Osprey's his becoming one, but his, oh, yeah. he's a good promo guy. He's definitely a good promo yeah. guy. Like the idea of him reading WWE verbiage is not appealing to me as a fan. Right. Um, I don't really care about that. I mean, like the idea that he could be on the same level as LA Knight to me is just heartbreaking, you know, because like on a level <laughs> of talent, it's like, Oh Lord. Yeah. Um, but they do have better matches, but he'll, he'll have to conform to them. Like, yeah, I don't think you're going to see Stormbreaker. Like, I don't think you're going to see a lot of the stuff that, that he likes to do because it doesn't fit into what they do, but he'll have, he'll, he'll be, you know, on that he's better than Seth Rollins, but he'll have those type of matches that looks like those type of fans. So yeah, like, He'll go into AEW and do the stuff he's always done. Does he want to do that? That's the question. Or does he want to try to be a WrestleMania main eventer? You know, that's important to some people and some people it's not. We don't know what Will Ospreay wants. You know, like, I don't think, I don't, I think AEW is going to pretty much match whatever offer WWE is going to give him unless they're giving him like a stupid offer. Right. Which is possible, but at the same time, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Where where do you, would you rather see Will Ospreay? I, as a fan, I'd rather see Will Ospreay go to AEW because he's going to be Osprey there. Now I've seen Osprey in AEW already. Like he's already had several matches, um, but because he's not their guy, he's been treated other than Forbidden Door. He's been treated kind of like just another dude on the show. Like they haven't really like put him like put them their promotional machine behind him. Nor should they. The, uh, yeah, other than the Omega match when they brought him in for Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they put him over, but of course, you know, the entire locker room had to get involved and Don Callis had to get thrown out and come back anyway and do yeah. the whole gimmick, right? So yeah, they had to do all the shenanigans to, to get Osprey to win the match. But um, yeah, I, I, I would be curious to see what they could do. The problem is, is that, you know, AEW has a good problem where there's like a, it seems like there's a, a bit of a surplus um, with just super talented entering performers, but there's not a surplus of guys that can really draw. And now they're going to 12 pay-per-views a month and they need to be able to do that. So now they're having this problem where they got to get these big pay-per-view main events, but they also still want people to watch their television show. And you saw some of that this week where, where we're getting kind of a hot shot at Omega MGF match for collision. Um, but we still have full gear coming up. And then of course, now we've got the world's end in December. So it's like now, now that becomes a problem. And, how do you alleviate that problem? You bring in more guys that can headline shows and, and draw money, and he's one of those guys, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that he'll be a standout anywhere he goes. Um, me as a fan, I want to, I'd want like to see him go to AEW because I know they'll keep him true to form. Um, but as a man, just as like a human being, I want to see a guy – I want to see him take care of his body and last a long time and make stupid money and still put on great matches. And I think he can do that in WWE too. Their, their main event matches, like – Typically, are pretty good. I, I watch the I watch the premium events. They're usually pretty good. Their 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 main event matches, right? They have some guys that I don't really care for, but they, they got a lot of like. I just watched uh, I just watched uh, Gunther uh, wrestle. Um, got it was two weeks ago on Raw. I can't. He, I know he wrestled Gable. That was really good. Um, Jonah. Jonah. Yeah, he wrestled Jonah or Bronson Reed. Bronson and that Reed. Was, that was, that, yeah, that was that was awesome. Right. Um, you get a lot of great matches on WWE. So I think he can have a, a great, a great one there too. So uh, either one, I, I think I'd be fine with. 
Um, yeah, personally, I, I for you know, if it's AEW WWE, I'll go AEW. Um, which one do I want to see him sign with? Absolutely, TNA because it'd help my podcast. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, like the the Osprey circle, like we haven't had a, a free agent like this probably since Kenny Omega in 2019, right? Yeah. Because when Cody yeah. left, he just went straight to WWE. Like that that relationship went south. And he went right there. So it's been a while since we've had a dude that people, I guess Jay White earlier this year, but that wasn't quite as public as this yeah. is. I know MJF likes to think he is, but I mean, well, Osprey is going to be the thing. What did you think about Dynamite last night booking the entire show around MJF? I seen some fascinating discourse about this. What was your, what is your thought? I think, um, I, I found it to be a bit bizarre. I, I think MGF is the most powerful man in AEW that's not named Tony Khan oh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. That and they're they're building everything around him. They're kind of hitching their wagon to one guy and they're trying to do it with basically all three television shows. And I think after a while we're gonna get MJF out, which is hilarious because we were complaining for so long that he hardly ever wrestled. And now it's like he's on every goddamn show and he's all over the show, up and down. I thought that opening segment I like the match with Juice. And then it just started, and then it just drug and drug, and they started introducing more storylines on top of storylines on top of storylines. I'm like, can you guys, like, I, I hate to be the old timer in the room, but it's like, I wish you guys would kind of focus on one or two things with the same character at once. But now they have like three or four different storylines going on with them. That's, that's, it just seems like it's getting pulled in a lot of different directions, play, and I'm having a hard time caring about everything. Can I play devil's advocate? Well, since we're going to be talking about the devil here pretty soon, yeah, absolutely. Oh, fair, fair. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch Nitro in 97? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You watched WWE in, two, in 1998, right? Mm-hmm. How many, yeah, segments, what, how many segments revolved around Hulk Hogan and the NWO? Exactly. What happened with Hulk Hogan and the NWO? They made they a lot of money. Kill, right? They but did. it made a lot of money, but, but, but it got way over it, and got made a lot of money first. What happened with nineteen ninety? And then if what happened? And then it flamed out. 19, but what happened in nineteen ninety eight with Steve Austin? Well, he was he the was most over guy the, in the world. But he was yeah. the most yeah. over guy in the world. But again, like yeah. he made like he made a he was the driver of the show, right? And he was involved yeah. in multiple storylines at the same time. So I see this a lot. I see a lot of people like I find this interesting when people are always like, "Why don't people say they want to go for the title? Everyone should just should say they want to go for the title." Well, that's happened here. And now people, and this is the yeah. problem with being online. This is why I think I hate Twitter. I think I'm just going to delete Twitter because I'm tired of, of reading everyone's opinions oh, because oh, just make, you know, make sure you make sure you're on enough to promote the show, please. Just that's do that. really the only that, thing yeah. I want to do with the show. It's the only thing that's hanging me on. But I mean, like we ask for, and it's weird because Max wasn't in world title feuds for a good chunk of the early fall and then the summer. And now he's in yeah. like five. And like, to me, this is feeling a lot like, that NWO Steve Austin style booking again, they're different guys. I'm not saying MJF is Steve Austin. I'm not saying MJF is Hulk Hogan. I'm saying AEW has said, this is our guy. This is our centerpiece. And we're going to build the show around him. And I think that we haven't seen a lot of that. And I think a lot of AEW fans specifically are, um, they like to hold hands and they like to sing Kumbaya and they want to see the love spread around and they don't really want to see a fucking star. Right. And say what you want. If you don't like MJF, I get that. I totally understand. I don't like a lot. I was about about 50-50 on all of the storylines that were thrown at us last night. Really don't yeah. like the Roderick Strong stuff. Um, 
like the Jay White stuff, you know, it's like it's all like there's so much going yeah. in and coming at you at one time. But at the same time, they're saying this is our fucking guy. Yeah. Like, and that's what WWE does with Roman, too, is he's all over the fucking show. Same with Cody. Like, this is our fucking guy. Deal with it. This is our guy. You know, and I think that. But I don't know if that's the right thing for AEW. If that's what their fan base <laughs> yeah. wants. So that's where this is where I'm like my brain is like kind of trying to figure out like, okay, this makes sense from this perspective. Again, whatever your feelings are in MJF, they're behind a guy. But is yeah. that what, like, sometimes I think, I wonder what would the, if the AEW audience is just so different than what a traditional pro wrestling audience is and what they yeah, want yeah. specifically. Yeah. And I think they're having an identity crisis in AEW because there for a while we were, we were, giving them shit for trying to build up too many people at once <laughs> and, 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 and not focusing on a guy, but now that they're focusing on a guy now it's like, okay, well now this is a little bit too much. I wish they just kind of like find that happy medium, but don't worry about Twitter. Right. Like that, that would be my thing. Like, don't worry about Twitter. Worry about the data. Right. And, and, and worry, worry about your attendance. Uh, worry about your pay-per-view buys and worry about your television ratings and your merch sales, right? Don't worry about the discourse online. The discourse online is just, it's always going to, it's going to be whatever it is, right? Um, again, so yeah, JD just convinced himself that the MJF booking I, is it. No, I, I think he's just it. workshopping it. He's, he's oh, yeah. workshopping it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, and I don't, so, I like, the, I guess here's the thing with me is like, I'm not a guy who sits there and be like, this is what I think this is. I mean, like, I'm not. I'm not really hard and fast with any of my like thoughts on things. Like I like to try to yeah. think things out and like I try to, I'm trying to see things from different perspectives. Cause I think it's really yeah. easy to be an absolutist and say, this is good. This is bad. Like this is kind of why I'm, I hate online discourse. I hate like discord servers. I hate all of it because like everything, like nothing can just kind of be, everything has to be awesome or fucking terrible. And there's nothing can exist in the center and you try to say like well it was too much one way it's too much the other way well how else do you figure it out without trying how else do you find a happy medium without like trying things mm. like and i think these are yeah. the opinions of people who quite frankly have never done anything creative in their entire lives not saying you mike i'm saying these people who yeah. i hate so i mean like you don't <laughs> you don't yeah. know what's working until you try things like i hate to be triple h but how's your territory you know yeah what what do you really know? Like you never had to execute this. Like you're a, you know, it's, it's not easy. WWE failed this for 20 years until they finally hit on something that worked again. You know, like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate them getting behind a guy. I wish they did this with, with John Moxley, right? I wish eight dudes were going after John Moxley at once. I think that's a much more interesting story. In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, 
I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, you know what? And I, 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 I don't, I don't dis, I don't dislike MJ. Like a lot of people wanting to go for the title, um, but it does, it does get to be kind of a little bit too much of one person on the show. And I think, I think there is criticism of out there when Roman was on. He, Roman's not on TV every week now, by the way. He's maybe every so often. Now there's criticism because he's never on the yeah. show. Yeah, you can't yeah. Win. So when it when it was just him and like every other segment was just him, like that. Like he would, they were getting criticized for that too. So I, I, I get it. It's hard to find the happy medium. They went hard on MGF this week. Um, and they probably won't next week, but I think this week was just an MGF heavy show because he's their top star and they're trying to set up a lot of things at once. And they just announced this new pay-per-view and they're trying to hot shot uh, an angle for collision. And I'm not one of those guys that like hates that the idea of, I don't of hate it, but uh, I Omega. It. Yeah, I but I'm like I'm not ever going to get mad at a promotion because they're giving me something for free. <laughs> right? Like right. like I, I just can't I can't be one of those guys. Like it's like, oh wait a minute, how come they're not making me pay for this? So right? let's I, like, talk- I, I just okay. I, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Go I ahead. want to get on your cousin Joe, who's been who's yeah. been spoon fed a diet of Vince McMahon bullshit his whole life. Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan were not playing in front of sold out audiences until they shoved them down your throats. That's how you make yes. a star is you shove them down your throats. Homie, go look at the results. Like go look at those numbers. Go look at what WCW was drawing in the mid 2000 in the mid 90s when Hulk Hogan came in. They had a couple shows and then it took a while. Go look at those yeah. WWE numbers. They were great in New York and in the they're in the WWE strongholds. They weren't fantastic and, 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 at first across every across the rest of the planet until they in 97 they were in 97, they were still doing shows at the Manhattan Center, right? Correct. Like, like Correct. Yeah, so, it, but it, it ended up getting hot. And then once it got hot, then once it then, got hot, like, yeah. yeah. But it t- and then like, you... okay, this is our, this is our guy, our machines behind this guy now, right? But like, it wasn't like, and I think that's the thing though. They did it with, with yeah. Shawn Michaels and it didn't work. Yes. Right. They, they tried it with diesel Brett and, it didn't work. and it diesel and it didn't work. You force, you push and push and push and push until it doesn't, until it becomes obvious that it's not going to be there. So you can sit there and yeah. tell me, well, they played in front of sold out arenas. Okay. Okay. How, how well, did they that, do that? How? Well, and, and I, and I get, I get what he's saying, but what JD is trying well, to no, say it's, is it's that's it's what talking, it's, it's trying WWE to do. talking points, right? That's the way yeah, you start. That's it. what they're trying to do. <laughs> Right, you got to <laughs> yeah. start it somewhere because yeah. it wasn't like that. They yeah. didn't, WWF didn't walk into Memphis in 1984 with Hulk Hogan and sell out the and sell anything out. No, they failed miserably until they came back time and time and time and time again. Yeah. And they chipped away a little bit here, a little bit there. But they don't tell you that in WWE propaganda. They tell you that Vince what Vince walked on water, turned into wine, and everybody turned into a Fed fan overnight. That's bullshit. It's yeah. fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, sorry. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 
But so, um, what what are your thoughts on Flair coming back and being there with Sting in that in that angle? How did how, what did you think of that? I'm supposed to hate it, right? Yeah. I'm supposed to be mad because Ric Flair is Ric <laughs> Flair. Too. Like I'm supposed yeah. to be like, oh, I can't believe how dare they bring blah blah blah. The other channel's got a serial rapist running the show. Like Ric Flair is Ric Flair. You know what you get. You know what it is. I, yeah. I I've never I I it's Ric Flair. Yeah. It's Ric Flair. Is it going to make a difference in 2022? Three, three, three. Like I getting what year is? I mean like. It's what it is. You know what you're getting with him. Is it going to make a difference? Yeah. Not really. Does it Does it help Sting in his last year? Does it make Sting happy on his way out? Sure. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. We all know what people think about him. But he's Ric Flair, and I like seeing him on TV, and I just can't help it. I just I just don't hate the guy. What am I going to do? Like, sorry. I can't. Like, I, I, I'm one of those weird people. I can separate art from the artist. And Me too. That's, you, you know what I mean? And and like, maybe that makes me a bad person, but I guess put me in that box, I guess, the box of deplorables. That's where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm kind of, oh, don't, don't say that. Um, I, I yeah. don't, <laughs> I don't like, I'm sure I wouldn't like Ric Flair as a human being, like Richard Flair. Yeah. yeah. The character of Ric Flair has entertained me for decades and I can't pretend that he hasn't. Yeah. Right. I love, like, I, I'm going to go see a Marvel movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't want him to babysit. Right. I don't want him to teach an ethics course. You know what like I mean? exactly so, like I'm, I'm gonna go see i'm gonna watch loki with jonathan majors yeah. coming up like that guy's probably a piece of shit right but uh, i think probably is not strong enough after all this he's not convicted him, he's right? not convicted yet so you not have to yet, say it, allegedly yeah. he's yeah. allegedly bad, a though. piece of shit sounds really bad i'm still gonna watch loki right like yeah. I, I think yeah. it's really hard. I mean, like every buyer beware, like you have to draw your own lines in the sand. There's people that can, it's funny. Cause um, I was listening to Alan Forel on um, WrestleNomics today talking about with Benoit should be in the hall of fame. Right. And um, the consent they did, a, I guess this is before I was really paying attention. So they did a vote and they decided to keep him in. Yeah. I think that's pretty heinous. I think a murderer is pretty much where I draw the line, but I mean, yeah. um, each their own buyer beware yeah i i would have voted to remove him but i don't have a vote dave we do not have, have a, vote. a vote perhaps that yeah. should change well, yeah we're, we're gonna talk to the the hall of fame uh series here coming up but i did want to talk about uh endeavor we talked about endeavor earlier there's been some stories coming out that endeavor is uh is in a little bit of trouble brandon thurston actually had a great tweet and i'm gonna pull that tweet up please I didn't um, see right now yeah so he, and I put it right here in my bookmarks um, next to all my bad tweets. So excuse me. Should have oh, had this. see me on there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is from Brandon Thurston from the aforementioned WrestleNomics. He said, um, Endeavor strategic alternatives in plain English. Endeavor, Endeavor has long believed Wall Street undervalues of stock. And they thought that was mainly because most of their equity was in UFC. So they separated UFC from Endeavor, merged it with WWE, now called TKO. Uh, but Endeavor stock price still hasn't improved since the merger and it's only gotten worse. Endeavor has only been public since 2021. Silver Lake, the private equity firm that already owns much of Endeavor, is going to try to take the company private. Presumably, they think it will have more value that way. TKO remains a public company regardless of this. Endeavor owns 51% of TKO regardless. Competing agency, CAA, which is where Barry Bloom comes from, um, has never been a public company, was recently sold in a private equity transaction which might be an influence there. So it looked like there's a little bit of trouble, but I think Brandon Thurston did a good job of explaining that for the lemons like us. Or lemmings. 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 I mean, lemmings, either, either one. Either one works yeah. for the two of us, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, 
Yeah, I think you really did a great job breaking it down. Like, quite frankly, when Endeavor bought UFC, they accrued a ton of debt. Yeah. A ton of debt. Debt that they haven't paid off yet. And then they didn't pay. This is what's great. People like, they bought WWE for millions or billions. They didn't. It's a merger. Like, no actual cash changed hands. And the real, and like, the real problem was the SmackDown deal wasn't very good. Yeah. Right? That's been the biggest problem. Nick Khan talked a lot and then kind of whimpered. They need a hit coming up here with this raw deal. Because remember, SmackDown mm. had become the jewel. And now they're staring. No, no, actually, actually, raw. Raw is the deal. The SmackDown is just nah, don't worry about that. Because these great ratings in SmackDown, that's gonna go away when that show moves to USA. Yeah, SmackDown never performed well on USA ever. No, no, it was never yeah. the A show either on, on USA. So but will it be will it be this time around? I mean, and then here's the thing too, is it's like all these players they talk about willing to shell out lots of money for Raw. Is that real? Disney's talking about unloading ABC, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're they're not in the, they're Disney is not writing big checks right now. WBD, I don't know if you've heard this. Warner Brother Discovery is talking about selling Warner Brothers, the yes. film studio, the film studio. Yeah. And yeah. DC Comics and the top the top buyer for it is Universal. Like th- this is all rumored. And again, we've heard for years now about the proposal of a of a of a Warner Universal merger. And I remember I came on this show. I said that's going to be too big. The government will never let that fly. But if you're just talking about the film studio, because Zaslav has never been a film guy, so the idea of him selling off those a- those assets, including DC, which has been nothing but a problem since they've inherited it. I could see that. So I mean, when you take this stuff in consideration, all these big companies right now are struggling with the exception of Amazon. Yeah. And Amazon is in, seems to be in buy mode. I think Amazon could be in the running for raw. Honestly, uh, you want my honest opinion? It's either going to be USA or Amazon. That's what I'm calling right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know. I, I absolutely think that you're right. Um, I, I think ABC is going to be out on that deal. I don't, I think that um, WWE is basically the only thing USA has at the moment. Um, and if they lose WWE now raw and, and NXT, the NXT deal is coming up. It's, it's going to be a tough thing for them. Um, the yeah, Smack- transferring heat trans- SmackDown was over two million on a Tuesday in 2019. My man, the television landscape has yeah. shifted dramatically, and it'll be yeah. five years when they get it back. The loss of cable subscribers has been astounding in the last year alone. This is why people are like, "Well, how come he-? now again?" What WWE has done in the last calendar year has been amazing amazing yeah. they're the only things in television cable specifically that is bucking the trend although now sports is starting to be interesting and and uh the wwe's year-over-year growth has plateaued they are no longer yeah. growing their shows um yep. so they've hit they've hit a not critical mass but i mean like they've hit a they've hit a, a point where they're no longer growing which is to be expected you can't like no business just grows and grows and grows but yeah, it has. Yeah. It's not hurting them financially, but they're no longer. They've kind of hit their bottom with that four point one point four on RAW. I don't think they go any lower than that. Yeah, and th- and that's why when people bring up the TNA ratings from like two thousand and it's a different ten, universe. it's like yeah, yeah, they had two million in two thousand and ten, but 
you know, they were in a lot more homes back then. And that was probably yeah. the, like the number 22nd rated show on, on cable that night. Right. It was, so, it's, it's different. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it's, it's totally different. I, I think Jersey shore probably had like 13 million and that Dude, was like number one. You know if I mean? a show if a show has a million viewers now, there's a good chance it's the number one show until except for the Fox stuff, like because that's all yeah. old people. Like if a show has around a million viewers, it's number one. There's a lot of times Dynamite will have like 850, 900,000, and it'll be like the number one show on cable. Now, now the NBA back in town, in the like live sports has done kick ass this year. Yeah. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I mean, like, I'm telling you, man, this raw thing is gonna be real interesting when that gets announced. Yeah, very, 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 very interesting. Um, speaking of interesting, earlier today I made a tweet and I got myself. I thought I got myself into a little bit of trouble. I thought I had I uh, a little too. bit of heat, a little bit of heat with uh, one uh, Mr. Taz. Um, so the tweet that I made, <laughs> the tweet that I made was, I wonder if Hook knows that RVD, yeah, one time bitch slapped his old man. Um, which is a story that's kind of floated around the internet. RVD's told the story many times where he did this thing called pick a hand because Taz rubbed him the wrong way. They got into a little bit of argument. He told Taz, pick a hand, Taz picked a hand, and he just smacked the shit out of him. And then Taz didn't do anything. That's been the story that's been going around forever. Yeah, forever. He actually, yeah, yeah. And then he was on the, yeah. And then he went on the Taz show and they talked about it. They squashed it. Um, and that, that was a long time ago. So I, I shared the video of, of RVD talking about it recently because it had been kind of popping up in my feed. Well, I didn't tag Taz. I didn't even say the name Taz on my tweet. I didn't, I didn't tag hook. I didn't use any hashtags. I didn't do any of that. So I wasn't out to start a fight with anybody. And I got a DM from Taz. <laughs> just, just the normal Mike Gilbert shit stirring. Yeah. Tweet. Just me, just, just, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys a little insight on the, on the conversation, but I'm not going to reveal all the stuff that we talked about. Okay. Cause that's private between me and him. So he, he reached out to me and he's just basically a hello. And I was like, Hey, uh, what's up? Something to that effect. And, and then he was just like, I I'm DMing you because I didn't want to quote tweet and signal boost and get a bunch of people to attack you. I said, well, I appreciate Yeah. I was like, Hey, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure you're not a big fan of my joke, um, but I knew you wouldn't be, which is why I didn't tag you. I didn't say your name and I didn't use any hashtags. And he said, and I was like, and I really was just talking shit to my friends. And he goes, brother, you got like 1600 friends. That's a lot of friends to talk shit to. I was like, so he goes, but good. he goes, good for you for growing a, a good social media. And then, and then we just talked about it and he just like, let him, you know, I was like, Hey, look, me and RVD squashed that a long time ago. Water under the bridge. We're the best of friends right now. And I love that my son's tagging with him. And then I even pitched him an idea for hook. And we talked about storylines. We talked about Tony Khan a little bit and like how cool AEW is doing. And then he wished me well, said, I hope, I hope you have a great rest of your day, brother. It was, it was nice talking to you. Could not have been a nicer dude. I honestly thought he was coming in my DMS to, to fucking to rake me over the coals. And I was preparing for a fight. I, I thought we were going to get into it, and I love a good fight. Oh, I, I thought he, we, me, I thought me and him were going to get into it, and I was going to have content for the show. Mm. And he was just so nice, and I still get a little bit of content for the show. But I like the fact that a guy that I grew up watching, that was one was one of my favorite wrestlers in ECW, and then it carried over into WWE. And I really hated his WWE run because I didn't feel like they right. ever got behind the guy. Um, he was too over when he came in there, and then of course he had the injury. So I thought that was awesome. I had a really cool moment with Taz today. I had a moment with him around about 2016 talking about suplexes and he popped into my DMS about Chad Gable's suplex. Now, um, I, 
I run in the same social circles as Chaz Betts. So I am, I am unabashedly a huge Chad Gable fan. Right. And Taz and I got into a, a, you know, he was trying to educate me and I said, no, my man, this is why Gable suplexes are better. And I talked about his toes and his hips. He's like, oh, you know, your shit. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, a USA wrestling silver level certified coach. And I, he was like, oh, <laughs> and he started laughing. He's like, my bad brother. He's like, I thought you were just some guy. And I'm like, no, I, yeah. I'm a Greco. I'm a pretty decent Greco Roman wrestling coach. So, I mean, like, yeah. so he can, it's funny. Cause he, he's one of those guys that'll do that. And this isn't the first time it's happened to us where some guy will creep into the DMS and they're usually pretty cool. That's to make you yeah. feel bad about talking shit online. You know what? I, I, I the word bitch slap is probably what got him upset. And uh, that was a bit harsh, but I'm trying to be, yeah, I was trying to be entertaining and look, and I get it. I'm on voices of wrestling now. That's a much bigger platform than I was on before. Um, and I, I, I know that when I talk some shit, the people that I'm talking about are probably going to get, probably going to see it. And I get that. And I'm ready for the heat. If it comes to me, I'm not going to just not be me. I have to be me. I like to be entertaining on Twitter. I like to have discourse. I like to tell jokes, Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they bomb and sometimes they piss people off and that's okay too. Let's talk about it, but I'm not going to stop being me. So if I ever rub somebody the wrong way and they want to be in my DMS, that's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it and then have, have a fun conversation. That's what happened today. But you know, he's not the first wrestler that's done that. I, I dude, I had it out one time with fucking idiot, big head doofus, Michael Elgin in my, in my DMS one time. And then I, I, uh, and then Tommy Dreamer was like Taz, like Tommy dreamer, hit my dms a couple of times and then was just super nice and i was like oh shit dreamer it's like man i was i was not being nice and here you are being a sweetheart and so tommy dreamer is probably one of the nicest people out there so um but yeah that, but i that made my day to be able to talk to taz back when brace for impact was just a patreon show i said that tommy dreamer looked like a fat samurai and <laughs> sure enough a picture of john belushi as the samurai from Saturday life showed up in my dms from tommy dreamer and I was like, yeah. damn, man, you got to pay to listen to my show. How'd you even hear this? <laughs> yeah. 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 But hey, um, we're, we're almost done with the show. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we have a few more minutes left. I want to give a shout out to official little silver. Um, he is in the chat. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for being here. Uh, transferring heat. Thank you for being here, my brother. I really appreciate you. Um, I know IO, IO was in the chat. Uh, Joe was in the chat. So we always appreciate everybody being in the chat. Scott E. Rustling was in the chat. Scott E. Rustling found his oh. way onto the Jeff Jarrett podcast. This oh, week. that I cracked I, up so much when I heard that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I played that. I, I shared that clip online, and uh, Scotty was, and I'm sure that fucking made his day. To even that oh, Jeff Jarrett knows who he is now. I'm sure of it. It was great. Yeah. And then of course uh, our buddy, a friend John of Muse. the show, John Muse. Yeah, it said uh, the key with focus is having compelling issues. That's right. If each storyline, right. if there's a lot of them, as long as they're compelling, they're they're probably going to hit. So John knows what he's talking about. Um, now, before we call it a night, uh, uh, we have been doing kind of a series. We started it last week where we talked about Roman Reigns' candidacy and kind of arguing against the people that don't think he belongs there because they just undervalue the importance of WWE and being the top star in WWE. I, I think that they're, I think they're crazy, but um, is what it is. Everybody has their opinion. Now, uh, Jesse Collings, a colleague of ours on voices of wrestling, he put out an article, I think yesterday on the voices of wrestling website, uh, making his case for Bobby Davis. Now, uh, Bobby Davis, I don't know if he was the first heel manager, but he was really the first prominent heel manager um, that there ever was. He was the manager for Dr. Jer for the Graham brothers, Dr. Jerry Graham and, uh, 
and his brother in New York. He was also more famously the manager of uh, the Nature Boy, the original Nature Boy, one of the most fascinating characters that I've ever read about, Buddy Rogers. I love like listening to people talk about Buddy Rogers. I've read a lot of articles and stories about Buddy Rogers. I read Dave's uh, obituary from 1992 on him. And, you know, there's people out there that probably that think that without Bobby Davis being his heel mouthpiece, maybe he doesn't get as over as he did, right? He probably still would have been great, but, you know, he was that extra layer to the, to, to the Nature Boy character that really helped propel him into, into greater heights. Bobby Davis was Bobby Heenan before Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan got his name. Bobby Heenan's name is Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he took the name Bobby because of Bobby Davis. Um, Jim Cornette, that's basically the Bobby Davis character, but in a Southern way. Jimmy Hart, that there's a lot of Bobby Davis and Jimmy Hart. Paul Heyman, Don Callis, all of the the prominent heel, heel managers that you see on television that you've seen on television the last forty years, they they got they got that from Bobby Davis whether they know it or not, right? And he was a he was a big time manager. The problem with him is he was really around um, before nineteen seventy. He actually retired at age thirty in like nineteen sixty eight, um, and he was only around for like twelve years too. So he didn't really have a long career, but his influence is there. And then when he was at his peak. The guy was a big time draw. Like the dude, Jesse did a fantastic job with this piece, actually. Like he yeah. does a really good. So tip of the cap to Jesse Collins in this one. He does such a yes. great job really kind of breaking down, not just the impact that Bobby Davis had as an influential performer, but the impact he had as a draw. Like a lot of people are credit can go back and credit um, the win over Buddy Rogers' win over Pat O'Connor to the heat brought on by Bobby Davis because Bobby Davis was the mouthpiece. He was the first manager to be a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Sandow back at the gold dust trio didn't, wasn't really cutting promos and stuff. Bobby Davis is out there with the sequin jacket with the Elvis pompadour, you know, pissing off wrestling fans. Like yeah. it was Jim Cornette and Jimmy Hart before those guys were, you know, like, and like he talked like, is in my home, right? Smith Comiskey park. That's where I watched my, my childhood favorite baseball team play biggest crowd for wrestling right yeah. uh, um, uh, adjusted for inflation 1.4 million dollar gate to see pat o'connor and buddy and buddy rogers right and his mouth sold that and he did the same thing like because again the, the big talk too is uh, is is um Raka and Perez as a tag team, right? That's big. the big Hall of Fame discussion. Well, they had to feud with someone. They were feuding with the Graham brothers. And who was cutting those promos in New York to sell out Madison Square Garden? Bobby Davis. Like, what we think of, and again, a lot too is the manager for a long time from like the night from the late nineties till probably the last three, four years, the role of the manager had been so downplayed in pro wrestling. And now we've seen a comeback with it with Paul Heyman and WWE with a plethora of people trying to get it started again in AEW, like the manager is now cool again. So I think that because that's a thing, we have to revisit Bobby Davis because everybody is doing an impression of Bobby Davis. Right. I think you have to, yeah. you have to look at that. Like you cannot deny the cultural impact that Bobby Davis had on the sport of pro wrestling. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the article is up right now. It's what are we even doing? Get Bobby Davis into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Um, he actually died a couple of years ago in uh, in uh, 2021, I believe. He would think he was like 80. He was in his 80s whenever he died. Um, that was the first year that he was on the ballot. He's he's actually really close. And I think uh, articles like this written by one uh, Jesse Collins of the Wrestling Observer, or not, not a Wrestling Observer, of, no. of the Voices of Wrestling Voice Network. Of wrestling. 
um, will, will, will be helpful. I was actually going to play a couple of clips, but the audio for the clips, because it was you know, from the fifties, it's not very good. So I'm not going to play you a clip here, but it's, it's, it's on the voices of wrestling website, or if you just run a search, Bobby Davis voices of wrestling, um, that article will pop up. So please go and check that out and support, uh, support our bosses over at the voices of wrestling network. And of course, support Jesse. Here's the problem is Bobby Davis got to be one of those stars when wrestling boomed in their, in the fifties. Yeah. Right. But his, his run kind of comes in the latter part of the fifties into the early sixties when the boom starts fading. So you're talking about after the Kohler show is done, right. When, when you're on Kohler's second show, when he was teaming with McMahon, like you're when McMahon's real Vince McMahon senior really is starting to get his TV going. So there's not as much like the Chicago, uh, Film Society is in a great job preserving a lot, not everything, but a lot of what Fred Kohler did, but mm -hmm. there's not as much of it for other parts of the country. So there's like large swaths of history that are kind of washed and like there's not enough people, especially fighting on the historical side that really, I think, have a, a proper understanding of someone like a Bobby Davis. Right. Yeah. Like without Bobby Davis, you don't get Sam Bass in, in Memphis. Right. Sam Bass is the guy that really jump started Jerry Lawler before he died. Like you need you need you need Bobby Davis to get to everywhere else that helped move pro wrestling in the 60s, 70s and 80s. So it's so crazy that he started in 1956 when he was 18 and he was headlining Madison Square Garden. A, a fucking kid. Like how much talent do you have to have? To, oh. to get Vince McMahon senior to put you on television when you're 18 years old. I, I, dude, I'm a high school teacher. I couldn't imagine yeah. putting some of these kids like we're, we have our little uh, broadcast program that we do at the school. And I got some kids doing commentary and stuff for football games. Ain't none of them ready to sell at Madison square garden. I'll tell you that right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just and like, that's like Cornette though. Like say what you want about Jim Cornette, probably not a great person, but man, could that guy draw a crowd? Right. Yeah. And, and Cornette just had the template. He had the Bobby Davis template to work off of. Like, I just think it's I think you're remarkably short sighted to the impacts of history. If you don't vote for someone like Bobby Davis. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Dave Meltzer, if you're watching or if you're listening, uh, Bobby Davis gets my vote. If if you do end up getting me a vote one day uh, next week. Yeah. Speaking of. So next week, we're actually going to we're actually going to talk about the candidacy for Tomohiro Ishii. Um, we're going to talk a little Japanese pro wrestling with Ishii. Um, and I, I think he's also a, a pretty good candidate, but we'll talk about that next week. I read um, something. I read something about yeah. Ishii recently. That was quite impressive. So, so did I, and I'm waiting for it to go public. So that way we can uh, talk about it here. Yeah. Um, before we get to bad tweets, I just want everybody in the chat and those of you watching online and especially JD, nobody, not a single person talked about my affliction shirt tonight. God damn it. Like I, I had got to <laughs> We, we talked about so, this before. Yeah. So we got so All we right. got so into uh we got so much into the TNA talk. I wore this affliction shirt just just for a bit because I'm doing a thing online bringing back affliction shirts now that Impact is back. I want affliction shirts. I actually tweeted out a picture of an old Impact affliction style shirt for them to be able to to uh to bring that back. I want affliction back on the table. I want douchebag, meathead, toxic masculine shirts back on shelves right now you know i never owned an affliction t-shirt but you didn't live in vegas and uh, that dude, dude, no like no. you i'm a you know wrestling what I mean? I, i'm a wrestling coach like it yeah. was pretty much just me like yeah. everybody oh, really? these things were oh yeah they're everywhere like 
I don't the kids my oh my god my my teams from like 2008 to about 2013 so many affliction shirts to practice every day. that was like <laughs> dude they were all about it dude they were everywhere man that guy Tom oh. Asensio who ran that who ran that t-shirt company made it he made a ton of money and then it flamed out because they were super douchey super douchey clothes there's super a reason douchey. why I haven't worn this in a long time so <laughs> but is okay but I'm, if I'm, you were to wear if you were to wear an affliction shirt in the year of our lord 2023 in public would it be like kitsch like would you reach the spot of where it's like ironically fun like wearing a bad beard or something like that it's kind of like bringing back the mullet right yeah like a mullet like, like a mullet in in the in the 90s if you had a mullet you were like the scum of the earth Yes. Right. Like you were, nobody really thought nicely. There was whole websites dedicated to making fun of mullets. You had your, you had your mini truck mullet. You had your parental neglect mullet. You had all those mullets, right? There was like all these different types of mullets. And, you know, that was kind of what um, affliction was because you had the off brand. And then, of course, you had your Ed Hardy's and you had all your stuff like Walmart started selling their own version of affliction shirts. So you had like all your white trashy people buying them and they were wearing them too. So like it was, it they were everywhere, man. Um, so I, I think maybe, I think maybe you could, uh, you could bring them back. I think, I think they should make a comeback like the mullet and like the beard. Um, and then Joe says, uh, how, how thing means, how dare you insult up Billy Ray Cyrus? But uh, oh, all right, let's get to, uh, let's get to everybody's favorite segment. We didn't do it last week because we were doing a live call-in show, but we want to talk about bad tweets. And first up, <laughs> last week was live bad tweets. <laughs> yeah. First up is uh, at the Vince Russo. Oh, God. Um, he said, I'm just going to say it. If those that quote unquote impact wrestling are serious going to, back to TNA, then you have to go back and pick the brain of the guy who named it TNA. If you don't, Jerry Jarrett? Then you're, <laughs> if you don't, then you're just changing ring aprons and it's all BS. Um, should, should TNA bring back the guy who helped tank the company and get his thoughts and get his ideas. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's oh. the worst, worst person, you yeah. know, guy, it came up perfect timing. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think, person. I don't think Vince made a great point, by the way. No, not, he didn't. He that, that... that guy's face. Um, yeah, that guy, that guy's, uh, that guy's funny, that but guy, look, it, it, the whole thread is just filled with it of, of his minions. Um, oh, basically yeah. saying, Russo back in TNA would be dope. Uh, let's let's see. That's an ad. One hundred percent. Scott Demore. We want Russo. This, if Scott Demore and Tommy Dreamer are still running it, the name change will be in vain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they're 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 actually really serious about this. They want uh, they want Vince Russo back in. I I cannot imagine a world where Vince Russo is back writing a a televised wrestling promotion. Vince Russo hates professional wrestling. Never forget that. Vince Russo likes promos and likes what he created like the the era where someone like vince russo could be successful has passed and it passed during the era of tna quite frankly which is why the company was held back because of vince russo because of his ass backwards booking ideas for years this is a guy could you imagine if some booker from the 70s of ole anderson in 2020 <laughs> in the year 2005 just wouldn't go away yeah right he just won't. I mean, like, and the fact that people, he still has his little minions who don't like pro wrestling, but don't understand that porn is available on the internet for free. Anybody can look at stuff all, and all they want. You don't need to like, yeah. you don't need to whack off to watching pro wrestling matches anymore. Like you can just look at porn. Like I, I, I cannot think of a worse fate to befall humanity than men's Russo getting back in pro wrestling. 
Yeah, Vince Russo, thank you for your bad tweet. This is bad tweets, uh, the Vince Russo edition. Let's go back. Uh, we got we got some more to talk about here. Um, so this one, uh, bad tweet. This is from at uh, Truxton underscore Darius. Nobody knows who Mystico is. Uh, how did that work out, bud? JD, tell them how Mystico did in, uh, on AEW. Uh, Mystico wound up, like he didn't draw a lot. Like the, 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 he drew a lot. He, they sold. They doubled the tickets in the one week with some with some uh couple sales and the misco announcement they doubled their ticket sales didn't draw a great rampage rating but rampage doesn't get good ratings quite frankly rampage yeah. is the show suit williams put it best it's the show for the sickos <laughs> people yes. really just like <laughs> good wrestling matches and i i thought it was all right actually so bad tweet yeah bad tweet yeah. um i thought bad, you, bad i saw tweet. i saw another guy with a bad tweet like that too that uh i probably should just leave yeah yeah, we should probably leave that one on. Um, so this one comes sent to me by JD. It says, uh, this uh, blazed out gaming. So why does Swerve need Mogul Embassy with him all the time if he's world champ material? Why does he need Mogul Embassy to beat down his opponents if he's world champ material? Swerve is scared of Max. Just like he's scared of everyone else he's had Mogul Embassy beat down. Um, JD, does blazed out gaming think it's real? I think so. Like I, I wrote that bad tweet. <laughs> I wrote that before I finished reading the whole thing. And I realized, oh, this person's probably like 15 and thinks that yeah. like, this is real. Cause I'm like thinking, what are you talking about? All like heels have like minions. Like, yeah. I, Cause I tweeted it back like the four horsemen, like it just the bloodline. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean like, and then I realized he was probably a kid and just let it die. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, JD Oliva saying bad tweets here. Oh, you're talking about me. <laughs> okay, you asshole. Let's see what my bad tweet was. Will TNA surpass AEW Rampage in the ratings one day? 42.9% say yes. Um, I think 42.9% are wrong, honestly. So, <laughs> but they would uh, have yeah. to, that, TNA would have to triple their audience to do that. And probably like, and 10, 10 times their 18 to 49 demo. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. This is from Salty Scott from the from Fight Game Media. Said, uh, can WWE ever come up with anything original? This is from At Air Gold. Um, this was um, them basically. This is a, a video of Montez Ford talking into the camera, shooting it to a commercial, and then Tony Storm does the same thing. Um, he's saying that Montez Ford copied this from Tony Storm, when in fact, Salty Scott, a WWE expert, said Montez Ford did this on March 21st. Uh, does this qualify as a bad tweet? I would say not doing your research before you talk shit on somebody and always bad thinking tweet. the WWE is copying AEW. They're not really copying AEW. They got too much on their plate to copy AEW. So bad tweet, uh, definitely. Um, There's some copying going on here from time to time. But then it's, it's from it's each other. Little, little, oh, from 100%. Everyone yeah. copies from everybody. That's how art works. Um, yeah. Uh, that, and that's a bit that's been done on television since the 50s. Yeah, yeah, this not, it's nothing new. It's nothing. Where new. someone looks to the oh, commercial, looks to the camera, fourth wall, and says, "We should cut to a commercial." Like that's not new. That's yeah, yeah. So this one was sent to us by Jesse Velasquez. Thank you, Jesse. He's Jesse's a big fan of the show. It's always helpful. Jesse's Ghost of dude. Madness says, "What if?" And there's a picture of the devil and Dolph Ziggler, and he says, "That's a bad tweet," because I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> so, great title for a yeah. book that's like a great title for an article the devil and dolph ziggler like i actually yeah i don't have an article with that but i just like that as a title but yeah that would be awful yeah uh andre uh the effort i talked about andre earlier uh so this someone was predicting this was going to be the gift for sting this guy's saying um he meaning tony khan bought sting tna and i do not accept any other suggestions even if it turns out he did buy tna to gift the sting i will forever believe that sting will be 
uh, will own TNA starting tonight. I think the guy was making a joke, honestly. But we'll bad bad tweets, bad tweet. Uh, let me with, see. The problem with humor is you Go need ahead. to be funny. Yes, yeah. I I think he was being funny. I think that was yep. That was it. This is a good tweet, by the way. I just want to. <laughs> That's not a bad so, tweet. That's a great tweet. Yeah, two new beginnings. Here's a picture of uh, Stephanie McMahon and Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith. Uh, he's uh, getting jiggy with with Steph here. But uh, that that has been bad tweets. Uh, thank you everybody for uh, making your submissions to bad tweets. Use the hashtag bad tweets so that way I can uh, scroll through and pick those out. I want to believe that's real. Actually, <laughs> it's from a couple years ago, but it is I still want to believe picture. it's real. I, yeah. I still want to believe that's real. With like, because Will's going through some tough times right now. Like his ex-wife, whatever Jada Pink it is, like just goes out of her way to like emasculate him in public. Every chance yeah. she gets, it's got to be hard to be him. So I saw a good joke online. I don't know if I should, I'm going to go ahead and say the joke. Fine. Nobody's watching. Nobody's listening. But uh, somebody said that uh, Jada Pekin was the only bullet Tupac ever dodged. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh That's man, I wish I would have come up with that. That's not funny. Yeah. That's not funny yeah. joke. <laughs> Oh yeah, we 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 ended it on a pretty awful note, I think. So, but that's what we do. It's on brand, yeah, very much on brand. Hey, everybody! Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a big thumbs up and make sure that you're a subscriber to this channel. And also throw down a comment; we'd greatly appreciate it. And share the show with your friends. And if you like the show, please head to uh, Patreon.com/slash The Mike and JD Show for our premium content. That's how you're able to support the show. That's how we're able to keep the lights on and do this stuff for you guys. Um, we really, really appreciate all your patronage. We got a new subscriber today, so I'm really excited about that. Hey, um, yeah, so thank you, everybody. Um, and on overtime coming up on Monday, we are going to be doing a show on the NWA Monopoly. JD and I are going to take a break right now, record that right now. We'll be posting that on Monday to patreon.com slash the JD show. And then Brace for Impact, um, I'm actually going to be on the road on Saturday. I'm going to try to do it before I fly out. I'm flying to Missouri to go see some family. So um, I'm going to try to get that out on Saturday morning, or if I can, maybe tomorrow night on Friday night and get that out to everybody. But I don't think I'm going to have any time to get the, to, to get it clipped and put it on YouTube. So if you want my impact talk, you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show, where I got tons of more stuff happening in the world of TNA wrestling. And also my idea of what Anthem should do next to make it uh, TNA the, as big as possible. But uh, that is going Solid. to do it for us this week. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I guess they, yes, they could, um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks everybody again in the chat, and until next time. Oh, hold on, I'm trying to get the right one. Oh, and until next time, mahalo. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick. It's a click, so I hope you watch your A game. Amen. No way from the track when we unite. Pick. This is an A game. Better bring your A game. Competition starting to get thick, it's a click, so I hope you watch your A-game. Eight mate, no rain from the track when we... Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super J-Cast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super J-Cast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super J-Cast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.